welcome to the fifth episode of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And in honor of the holidays, I'm talking with Clay Adams from a book called Red Xmas. How you doing, Clay? I'm doing great, Wayne. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk with you, and it's appropriate for the holiday season. Well, why don't yeah. we start off with, and why don't you describe what Red Xmas is about just to get us going? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a it's kind of a twisted holiday tale that's like Bad Santa meets the Terminator, and it's perfect for fans of Preacher and the Boys and uh, twisted fare like that. So uh, Mrs. Claus dies in a tragic toy accident, and now Santa's out to make all those little brats pay. And uh, he starts his rampage, unfortunately for him, in the house of a badass FBI agent. And when somebody messes with her kid, Mama Bear is going to go to the ends of the earth to get her son back. So, um, like I said, it's a twisted holiday tale. Great for fans of Preacher or the Boys. Now, this is coming out the day that this podcast airs. It's going to be on December the 16th on Wednesday. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. First issue coming out Wednesday the 16th and then a trade to follow later. Right. This is part of the nonstop initiative. So that'll come later. We'll find out that good information as comes along. I don't think it's quite decided yet. Holiday books are always a mess. It seems like when it comes around the holidays. Um, I was telling you before we started to record about the Klaus book from Boom. Right. They they messed all that up with for Grant Morrison on him, and so it's it's always a good thing to to do these things before. And the good news is your book, this book. The initial issue will be out before Christmas, thank heavens. <laughs> so grateful. Yeah, yeah, correct. And then, and what's really great about it is, especially with the nonstop edition, what I love about it is that it gives people a chance to discover the first issue. And then uh, for the for the completist, the binger, you can go straight to the trade and, and read the whole story when that does come out. And it's also like... I I totally hear you, what you're saying about uh, so sort of the horrors of scheduling holiday fair. The good news is, though, those holidays come around every single year. So the hope is that this is going to be a perennial seller for Scout for many years to come. Let's hope because it's uh, it, it's an interesting story. It's something a little different, which, of course, is a good idea for uh, uh, things like that. Um, so I have to ask, of course, well, first things first, uh, when I look at the credits page, I had a chance to look at the uh, uh, the issue, and I got a kick out of the fact that you're on the naughty list. <laughs> Correct. Yes, sir. And uh, I guess the – and I'm sure I butcher the name. Alexander O. Philippe is the – You is got it. it. That's, that's a co-writer, is it? Yeah, yeah. So Alexander is uh, is a co-writer. Um, he and I met many, many years ago at college at NYU and, uh, we, we bonded over preacher. And so when we started writing together, um, you know, we kind of knew that that was sort of the vibe that, that our stuff was going to have that, that would have a twisted, dark sense of humor, but would also have a lot of heart. So that's, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what we bonded over. And he's gone on to, to have a great career as a, uh, as a filmmaker. He's a documentarian. Uh, he makes movies about movies. So his latest is, uh, it just came out on Shudder, actually. It's uh, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin talking about The Exorcist. Hmm, okay. And the artist's name is, I, I'm probably butchering this one too, Fabio Ramachi, is it? Yes. Now, Fabio would tell you you have to add you have to add a little more pasta to that, right? It's it's like Fabio Ramachi. Hopefully, uh, see, hopefully, I, I got that right. Yeah. 
I can't do that. So that's, uh, I, I'm Italian by absorption. I I, uh, I I love Italian food, but as far as the pronunciation stuff, uh, it doesn't work that way for me. So, uh, colorist is Ilaria. Oh gosh, Chioka. Ilaria, Ilaria Chioka. Chioka. And, I, gotcha. and I'm still probably not. I'm st- probably still not doing a very good job, and they're going to mock me for this later. But uh, <laughs> hey, I, I I tried, people. Okay, you're doing the best you can. That's all we can do at this so that's point. That's all you can do, yeah. Comics don't come with pronunciation guides, although I wish they would. But uh, the good that news is, is, is it's close. I mean, as long as we're in the ballpark, I think we're, we're doing good. That's right. So, uh, that's right. I, I was reading you have on the back page of – there's a letter to Santa in which you talk to the readers. And you talk mentioned some of the things that you've already discussed a little bit about, about the fa- uh, interest in horror and stuff like that. And I was I was curious when I was reading it. You said something about the fact that who is the scariest character, like having to do with the holidays, but Santa Claus. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Talk a little bit more about that. About how, you know he knows when you're awake and he knows when you're you're sleeping. Talk a little bit about that business about how that kind of feeds into the horror thing. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it definitely the whole premise sounds creepy, doesn't it? Like this guy, he's watching you from afar. Like you said, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Um, and, and you know, my, I, my mom was always very uh, worried about people breaking into the house in the middle of the night. And it, and it stands to reason, right? Because she, she was kind of growing up uh, or, you know, a young adult in the time of Ted Bundy and the Golden State Killer. And so I'm sure she or, you know, even the Manson murders, you know, hearing all these stories about people breaking into houses in the middle of the night. And so I just remember that always being her big fear, but then she was also a huge Christmas person, right? So it always struck me as weird that that the same person that was so worried about people breaking in in the middle of the night and who would try to tell me, oh, it's okay, you know, we've, you know, we've got a deadbolt and, you know, we got this new alarm system that's going to make sure nobody breaks into our house – like this person that was so paranoid about that and trying to make me feel better about it was also the person that told me once a year, some old dude climbed down our chimney and roamed around the house while we were all asleep. And, uh, you know, he left presents, right? And we're just supposed to trust this guy. He's a good guy. Nothing to worry about here. Um, I just always thought that was so strange. And so when um, when Alexander and I were were thinking about wanting to write some kind of twisted uh, horror thing, we were like, well, who's the, you know, who are the scariest characters in, in horror? And we, we settled on Freddy Krueger. Cause we were like, you know, this guy comes to you while you're sleeping and that is the scariest thing. So then we were like, okay, well then, then who else comes to you in your sleep? And, you know, I guess that childhood memory of sort of that, this, you know, the, that cognitive dissonance of my mom, it, it just sort of hit me. That's like, oh, Santa Claus. Right. And uh, and the whole story kind of blossomed from there. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting thing because, you know, I'm a big Christmas guy myself. You know, I've, I've been listening to holiday music since like September, October already. So I'm 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 right. big into it. And, and the thing that always I, I'm always fascinated by novelty songs and novelty stories and things like that, where they don't follow the same path, shall we say, that you're expected to. <laughs> right. And this book this book does that. <laughs> this goes a very different way. 
we we wanted to show Santa in a very different light, like you've never seen him before. I I I don't want to spoil much about it, but I, there's some new things you introduce to the holiday legend, shall we say? And um, there will be more to come as the story unfolds. <laughs> just you wait. This book is not one I think that kids ought to read, shall we say? I, I would agree with that assessment. Yes, for sure. Uh, yes, because it, it has right a mature away, reader's stamp on it. Just to be clear, yes. yeah. And, and right away, the first time we see Santa Claus, um, he's doing something <laughs> that I haven't seen Santa Claus do before. <laughs> That's right. Shall we say? That's so right. I don't know if I want to spoil that because it's a it's a it it sets the tone for the rest of the book. But let's just say Santa Claus is doing something that. We have not seen him do, at least I have not seen him do before. And I, I, that's part of your creativity is to come up with these kind of good things. What's fascinating, I, I, there's an elf, and the name of the elf is Albert. Yes. And yes. He's, got, he's got a device that helps him keep track of how jolly Santa is. Yeah, so Albert Elfstein is our character that kind of uh, helps the reader get into the world, right? And and to understand what the rules of this world are. And so in the world of Red Xmas, uh, Santa needs a certain amount of jolliness to power his magic. So if if he's going to make the, the sleigh fly, or if he's going to be able to go down a chimney, or if he's going to have enough magic to to make the parents think that they bought the gifts because that's, that's part of his magic. He leaves the gifts, but then he makes the parents think that they did it. Um, he has to have a certain amount of jolliness and, uh, and, and that's a tough job for Albert making sure that there's enough jolliness at the North pole to, to power all this magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> well, he, let's just say the, 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 the device alerts him to something going on. And that that's where, where we first get into. Uh, we, we meet Santa for the first time. Santa's and very jolly. Yes, yes. That's what, more than that, we won't say because that, that leads into the whole thing. But, but I want to I, I take a step back, though, because that's actually not the first thing we see in the book. The first thing we see in the book is back in, let's see, it's 1051 AD, Christmas Eve. The Temple of Saint Nicholas in Rome, Italy. Yes, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I mean, why start back there? Are you establishing the legend of Santa Claus or Kris Kringle and all that stuff by Correct. showing that this happened? Because that's normally the Chris, the Santa Claus legend is like in the 1800s is the first time I've seen it. But you're yeah, saying it actually starts way back. Yes, yes. See, we're we're adding to the mythos here. We're we're leaving our little stamp on it. But yes, we are definitely um we're definitely playing with things. We're we're setting up the idea that this is an ancient um how how should I I don't want to ruin too too much here, but uh but you know, he's uh the Santa worship has gone on for a very long time, and the characters that you see in the opening two pages, uh, as the as we're showing you the origin of Santa Claus, those characters are going to come back. They're going to play a very important role in the story. So we're just kind of planting the seeds here that that maybe not everything is so nice and sweet with Santa Claus from his origin. But there is a part of the legend that is going on even back then (laughs) 
that I, I had to laugh about. I, I, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if I should spoil it, but let's just say something that Santa Claus is well known for the people that are involved in, in Chris Kringle's group are saying that even back then in the, in the, uh, in a uh, 1060 or 1051 or 1061, whatever it is. And I got a huge kick because <laughs> You know, obviously you're setting up for where things came. All these things came from it's well, let's just say it's not necessarily um, we take for granted. We understand where Santa Claus and the whole thing came from, but you're establishing that that's not necessarily true. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely we're definitely playing with expectations and, and adding a creepy element. And and there is there is. This, uh, you know, this this phrase, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, we'll say that that Santa says um, that there might be a maybe a magical quality to it. Um, we're we're kind of, you know, we're we're not we're not going out to, trying to to come up with you know secret origins or, or whatever of Santa Claus, but we are we are kind of adding these little character moments, things that people might be familiar with, and just kind of turning them on their heads a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then we get to the part. That really got me. You actually show well. We need to talk about Mrs. Claus a little bit. You established okay, you established something that I, you know, Santa Claus is established as uh, somebody who's long lived. Let's say that. Mm-hmm, correct. That's that's not necessarily true for Mrs. Claus. Yes. Yes. So Santa is basically immortal. And, um, and Mrs. Claus is not, his wives are not. And, and I say wives plural, we'll learn, maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't say too much, but, uh, but yes, we will learn a little bit more in the future about the history of Santa's marriages and how they tend to go down. But, uh, but yes, Mrs. He always marries a mortal, uh, but he himself, uh, is not. Now he's not the sharpest tool in the shed either, because at, at one place he's there. Well, well, let's just say when bad things happen, he's distracted by by. Uh, well, he's distracted by. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I want to spoil it, but let's just say he's in the middle of doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Uh, let's just say and again, but right. it's a different something this time. He's doing something that none of us should do. <laughs> shall <laughs> <Right>. we say? <laughs> yes. He, he, yes. He, and, and that scene is to set up how much he needs Mrs. Claus. She's a very important person in his life. And that's, that's really what all of those, uh, those initial scenes are about is really establishing what that connection is and how she looks after him and he's uh, he's kind of lost without her. He and you know he he kind of says it. He'd be lost without her, and uh, he's about to find out just how lost he's going to be. Yeah. Well. Oh gosh. Th- things take a downward spiral uh, at a point. Now we, of course, got to talk about the family that's have heavily involved in this. Yes. Uh, the, talk about the, who the family is and and their involvement in all this. Yeah, so um, Ellie Tewksbury is uh, an FBI agent, and her son Byron uh, lives with her at home. And Byron really misses his dad. Uh, his dad uh, ran away many, many years ago. I don't know that we know the circumstances yet in the uh, in this first issue, but we know it has something to do with Christmas. And um, 
uh, no, I think I think Santa kind of maybe he does kind of come out and, and say sort of what it is. But uh, but Byron is is led to believe by Santa that uh, that Santa knows where his dad is and that his dad might actually be at the North Pole. And so um, so Santa uh, or Byron really wants to go find his dad. And, and that's really what's driving him through all of this. He just wants to find his dad. But Ellie is is like this no nonsense FBI agent. She doesn't believe in Christmas really like in as in any kind of magical way. She doesn't believe in any kind of magic. Everything is just realism. And, you know, people do this and and people are horrible because she's an FBI agent and she sees all of their worst behavior. Right. And Byron can't trust anybody and he needs to be safe and learn how to protect himself. And he's just got to stop worrying about all this stupid stuff like Christmas and magic. And that's going to lead to his ruin, just like it led to her husband's ruin. Um, and um, and so they, they, they clash. But when Santa arrives at the Tewksbury house having his very, very bad night, uh, all Byron wants is to know where his dad is. And it, and it, uh, it leads to... Uh, Let's just say Chaos. hilarity ensues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good. I, I do have to say, the first time we see them, she is reading him a bedtime story. Yes. That kills me. I, I had to laugh out loud when I read that. It's it's not the typical story somebody would read their child on Christmas Eve, shall we say. Correct. <laughs> but it, re, it, re, it reflects who she is as an agent. Very um, much so, levels. yeah. Very much so. I, I thought that was so well done. It's it's one paragraph, but I laughed out loud when I read it. I just I thought it was just funny, just just a, a well done business. Thank you. That's good to hear. <laughs> it's gosh, the whole thing, this, this thing is just so well crafted. I I, I don't want to spoil what goes on, but it, there are wonderful things going on. I'm going to refer to the letter a little bit because sure. I think once that's there, I think it's out. You talk about the fact that as the tale progresses, we're going to discover more about the great elf Holocaust of 1962. Uh, what a tragedy that was. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're going to meet the American Santa society, which has a bad abbreviation. Correct. Then we're going to run into the Chief Gator, which I don't get where that comes from, but that's what I'm sure we'll have to, we, to read. We'll find out. The Easter Bunny and a very special leprechaun. Okay, I get that. The Gator, I don't get. Maybe this is uh, something I have to read. I don't think you're going to want to spoil that. but Well, I, I, can, I, I can at least say, so Chief Gator is Ellie's boss at, uh, oh. at the FBI. Everyone, oh, okay, everyone calls him Chief Gator, and you'll, you'll maybe see why in uh, – in, as the tale progresses. Yeah. You'll, you'll come to understand he's a, he's a very uh, hard edged guy in some ways. Okay. Cause I thought it was like the Easter bunny. I thought this was oh, a gator. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's just his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I do mention, I need to mention too, there's, there's a, a, a beginning story and then there's another story in the back, after we get this, it's called The Letter to Santa, and you start out by saying Christmas is a weird holiday. Am I right? And then we get another story. <laughs> do, do you want to talk about that? Because that one is is just as off-center as the, as the front part is. It's only, what, two pages? Two pages, But talk yeah. about that. Talk yeah, about so, that, why don't you? So that's a little two-page backup. It's just a little bonus, and it's really like – 
I one thing I love about comics is um is the experience of reading, you know, for lack of a better word, the floppy, right? The the monthly reader, the person that goes into the shops and orders the books. I really feel like if you buy a floppy issue, you really deserve to have a special experience that's separate from, say, just buying the trade. So that's why I, I felt like it was important to have that little letter to the reader. Um, I always love that in comics. I always love the letter column. I think Stephen King was always smart to introduce his stories. Um, I, I, I just love that. And then I, just as a little bit of extra value, we threw in this little two-pager that's, uh, that's not going to be in, in the trade. Um, and it's, uh, it centers around Frida at the Fried Diner. And that's uh, – so Alexander and I – uh, started making web comics and our our website is friedcomics.com and the conceit is that you are uh you are coming to visit this crazy diner where you can just sit down and 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 read comics because we we felt like fried really kind of um I guess sort of encapsulates our storytelling style that it's like it it should it should taste good going down but but shouldn't necessarily be good for you right mm-hmm. um and so uh so anyway we sort of we sort of developed this uh, mascot Frida she's our she's our waitress character at the diner mm-hmm. and um she's kind of gotten a bit of a following she writes our newsletter that comes out twice a month and um, and so she has a little cameo in Red Xmas, as does the Fried Diner. But this little two pager is just sort of a uh, a little extra tale about Frida. And uh, and a- actually, uh, Alexander and I are the other two diner workers that you'll uh, that you oh. see in that story. That's that's me and Alexander. And um, and we wanted to kind of do it sort of as like a, a little spoof of the uh, like the hostess cupcake ads that you used to see in all the old comics. So. So that's that's what you get. Well, there, there's this one line I just got to – I've got to spoil. There's a wonderful bit where, you know, instead of being – well, let's just say they're called waitress. Correct. Cupcakes. Yes. There's a, there's a little thing I, I think people are going to miss, and this is why I think I have to talk about it. It says, waitress is a registered trademark of the Clogged Artery Baking Company. Yes. <laughs> Oh heavens! I, I'm afraid people are going to miss that, so I I I just had to throw I'm, that in there. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, you got to you got to kind of look. <laughs> we got some Easter eggs and hidden jokes in here. You got to really look for it too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, there's sound effects too. There's on the very last page is a sound effect that made me laugh. So I, I had fun coming me. up with that one. Yeah. Yes, I just. <laughs> Oh heavens! This, this this book. If you're in the right mood, I think you're going to get a lot of fun out of this book. I think it's just such a wonderful. <laughs> it, it's twisted in the right ways. It's 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 going to be something that's going to have a lot of fun for people. It's particularly people like like I enjoy the off center stuff. There, there's every once in a while there are Christmas songs that make me laugh because they're they're crazy. Right, you know they're off-center stuff, and this is one of those things. I, I hope this is going to turn into one of those comics that becomes like a tradition that people like to read, just because it's something that's going to take us someplace we don't normally go during the holiday season. And I think we could stand a little more of that, especially this year. I think this is going to be a great time for this. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, we definitely set out to create something that could be a perennial holiday classic. Uh, like, you know, like, like an elf, 
like a grandma got run over by a reindeer, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say we're going to reach that level of cultural consciousness, but, um, but it did sort of feel like the comic space, uh, could use a little something like that. I think the holiday special is, is just, it's a staple of mass media and, uh, we just wanted to go for it and, and, and bring it to the comics area. Now I got to kick out of the title of it. It's called red Xmas. Yes. And I, I think of the song blue Christmas, but it's red <laughs> yes. and the red, of course, makes me think of blood <laughs> right away. I'm thinking, yes, blood, and so of course, you know, red could allude to his his outfit, Christmas outfit, and stuff like that. But I, I don't think that's what that's going to be. Why it's called Red Xmas? It is definitely meant to make you think of blood, um, and and it also, you know, there's. So there is uh there's White Christmas obviously right the song and the and the special and then there's um there's Blue Christmas like you said and then um and then there's also Black Christmas which was kind of a precursor to the slasher movies and um and that was one that I really like I wasn't super familiar with before we started um before we started on Red Xmas and I um Anyway, I it's it's something I've I've read more about since, you know, since we started working on the book and I'm definitely going to check it out. But yes, there is sort of this tradition of the colors going with Christmas and we just we just sort of did the Xmas because we felt like that, you know, it was a little shorter, it looked a little better as a logo. Um so anyway, yes, red Xmas is supposed to make you think of blood. Well, I, it's funny you mentioned black uh Christmas because I just one of my friends and I were talking about something that's way out in left field. It's, you know, that white Christmas might be these days considered racist. Oh, and yeah. so we said, well, what, there should be a black Christmas if that's the case. And so I looked it up online. And I came across the thing you're talking about. And I was like, there is a black Christmas. I said, good heavens, but it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, this was it was like an old uh, it was from the mid 70s I think uh or maybe even earlier than that but it's uh yeah it's a it's a horror movie and I think I think maybe Blumhouse just remade it a few years ago there was just a remake that came yeah. out. Yeah, I think last year if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And so yeah, there's all this so I was fascinated by that so the colors and Christmas is always something kind of fun to to, to but I, it's just so funny you mentioned that because I we were laughing and we were joking about the fact that you know the right. fact that white Christmas could be misinterpreted and, you know, chased down that way. So anyway, I, I got a kick out of this. So I, the colors I, I have in my head. So I just think that that's a lot of, it's a lot of, a, this is the kind of thing, especially with Christmas coming upon us and the, it coming out before this is, if you're in the mood for some fun, this is going to be a lot of fun to read and, and just kind of feed that twisted part of you and really have a lot of great things going on as, as far as, you know, if you're in the mood for something before you get into the full blow Christmas stuff to get something going on, this, this is going to be something I think you're going to enjoy. So I I think Clay, you guys have done a a great job of doing something that I did not expect to say. (laughs) Thank you so much, Wayne. I appreciate that. Very good. Now, uh, let's say that. Well, well, I do have one more question. You, you've been talking like this might be something that you want to do on a yearly basis. Is that the case? Well, there's certainly the world certainly opens itself up to uh, plenty of storytelling possibilities. We've already Alexander and I have already kicked around ideas for a sequel. Uh, I have uh, an idea for a one shot 
um, that I that I need to discuss with him. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think the the storytelling possibilities are endless. And um, and you know, like I said, Christmas comes around uh, once a year, so uh, we should definitely think about revisiting this. See, I'm big on Krampus. Oh yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm big on Krampus. There was a comic that came out several years ago, and I was really big about it. And I interviewed the guy who did it in a different podcast, and I was just like, "Gosh, I said this is there's all kinds of crazy stuff you could do with Christmas." That's you know, I didn't I hadn't even heard of Krampus before. The I had never heard of Krampus either until yeah, until a few years ago. I feel like there's maybe a couple of things out about Krampus. It's the sort of you know some of these some of these things sometimes it's like they hit the cultural consciousness like all at once. You know, and then suddenly you're hearing about all this stuff that that you maybe had never heard about before. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely a legend in and of itself. Yeah. So you never know. I mean, Santa could bump into Krampus. You never know. It's, it's there's all kinds of possibilities you could do. Well, if people want to follow you uh, and keep up with these good things, how on social media do they do that, Clay? Yeah. So you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Clay's Evil Twin. And uh, you can also uh, you can go to friedcomics.com and you can sign up for our mailing list if you want to hear from Frida twice a month. She tries to uh, keep it light and breezy and entertaining. And, uh, and it's a good time. We'll give you some some digital downloads for your uh, okay. for your troubles. Goodness. It's, it's called Red Xmas and it's going to be out the day that you hear this. And be sure to get to your store and find that. And if you can't find it there for some reason, the the, the Scout uh, website should have it there. And uh, this will be the, the introduction to the Red Xmas universe. And there's more hopefully coming. And Clay, I, I hope you guys have a lot of fun with it because I think that there's a, a lot of great things that you could be doing. And I could see you guys accomplishing those things. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Wayne. I really appreciate it. 